0: welcome back to unsolved south i'm michelle and and i'm maddie
1: and and we're your host
0: oh yeah i forgot sawyer's co-hosting today
1: yeah he's co-hosting today (laughs) did you hear me say his name right oh yeah
0: look at you i've been practicing oh yeah (laughs) yeah good for you Cause you know when I say something, like I have to if I'm trying to say something without an accent, I have to repeat it like three times. Yeah, and then I can lose my accent. Huh? I still disagree with the way you pronounce it, but I've I've been practicing. I mean, I don't so think it's that big of a difference. Sawyer or Sawyer? Yeah,
1: Sawyer or Sawyer
0: doesn't matter. Well, I'm just calling Cade because it's easier. <laughs> So um, y'all had a good Halloween.
1: Yes, he loved trick or treating. We went as Nomeo and Juliet and Baby Gnome, and he enjoyed trick or treating because there was so much candy. He ate so much, and then he was up partying until two a.m. that night. Yeah, screaming baby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he had he a blast. Like he was Prince Charming when he wasn't wearing his hat.
1: Oh, yeah, he only wore his hat for, like, two seconds. And he then we just like used he the hat as his warm, bucket. we didn't get him a bucket. Why not? Because I wasn't expecting him to actually trick-or-treat. And Noah was like, it's not fair. He needs to trick-or-treat, too. And I was like, I mean, we could just steal some of the other kids' candies. And I agree he was with like, Noah. No, he's getting his own candy. And so then he took him up to every house to trick-or-treat. I agree with Noah. <laughs> He went to every house and was like, "He has Teefuses, so he can eat candy." <laughs> <laughs> he can't eat well, like certain candies, but he can eat candy.
0: <laughs> so then, well, got we didn't, candy. um, we didn't do a lot. But uh, Avery Kate came to the house to trick or treat. She was my only trick or treater because you know we live out here in the middle of nothing, and yeah. uh, so. so- like, I went out and got full-size candy bars and stuff. Oh, <laughs> So, she would have... Because I knew she was coming. And... Uh, yeah. But when I opened the door, like, I heard him pull up because I was so excited because I never get a trick-or-treater. And yeah. Ty and Adam used to come trick-or-treat, but they didn't come this year. And, uh... I so thought he when, said he was
1: getting the... Whatever it was, the side-by-side ready.
0: He did, but he didn't come... Um. He didn't come here, I guess, because he's staying at uh, at my mother's because he's still working on his house. Yeah. So he was already there in town. So Ooh. he would have had to come all the way here and then go back. So, anyway, they didn't come, but, and I didn't figure they were. And, um, but when I knew they were coming up on the porch, and so I went to open the door, and Billy was like, scare them. And so I opened, she knocked, and I was like, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it scared her. And then she was like, <laughs> she wouldn't talk to me the rest of the time, except oh for when Oh, my gosh. She, I had my candy in one of those monster hand baskets. Yeah. And um, she couldn't because they were full size candy bars. She, like, when she pulled them up, they were sideways. She couldn't get it out. And that's all she said to me. I can't get it. <laughs> <I was laughs> like, oh my God. So I felt bad. But she was dressed like a little piggy. Aww. She was Poor too little cute. piggy. I know. The, then I was mad at Billy because I was like, man, you made me scare her. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So now my house looks like Halloween exploded because I'm trying to reorganize an inventory and get stuff packed up. And my house looks like Halloween exploded and I have not even touched the decorations in the yard yet.
1: I have already (sighs) taken mine down and packed most of them away. I needed to leave some fall um, props out still for Sawyer's Thanksgiving photos. We're going to be posting actually tomorrow um I'm and yeah and I got the rest of the stuff to do that and um after I do that then I'm going to put all of the fall stuff away and I'm getting my Christmas stuff
0: out I'm gonna decorate for fall but I'm gonna start with Christmas too because I got some Thanksgiving decorations and stuff Yeah, I don't really
1: have that many Thanksgiving. I just have, like, stuff. I don't have a ton,
0: but I have some. So, I'm going to do some um, fall and Thanksgiving, and I'm going to also do some Christmas. Because i got so much Christmas. I've got to start with it. But I had way more Halloween than I even put out this year. I run out of time. I never even decorated the inside.
1: Yeah, because you start, like, when October hits. You need to start when, like... I don't know August or
0: September. Well we had um football and practices and all kinds of stuff going on and I just never I just didn't get the time and then it was like um because I got to have Zane and Billy here to get the stuff out of the attic. Yeah. And so um I just never got the time and then I don't know, I ran out of time But I was like, I'm not going to stress this year I'm going to get out like a base Of decorations And then if I don't get the rest out Then I just didn't, it'll be fine And so I did real good not stressing about that This year But I was a little disappointed putting it up That some of it I didn't get to use And some of it's like brand new I just bought it, still didn't put it up Anyway <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so this week we're back to our usual type of stories. The story this week is, it's kind of weird and it's tragic, but it is the tale of Betty Gale Brown. And if you normally listen around your kids, be aware that this story does mention some adult stuff other than murder, so just uh, be aware of that. Probably Baby Cade won't listen, though, because he ain't wearing his headphones. No, he's
1: not wearing a headset. He can't hear what you're saying. (laughs) We can just hear what he's saying. Okay. Yeah,
0: Yeah, he's He's
1: reading his Halloween book right now, actually.
0: Well, there you go. All right, well, let's get into it. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. So, what had happened was, by all accounts, Betty was just wonderful. She was beautiful. She was a nice church-going girl. She came from a good family. She was intelligent. She was basically the epitome of Southern charm and grace. When she was eight years old, she won second prize in a newspaper essay contest. The subject was My Biggest Moment. And what was Sweet Betty's biggest moment? It was meeting her daddy for the first time at age three. He had been overseas serving in World War II for three and a half years. I almost said World War Three. <laughs> I had to stop myself. <laughs> um, if you're wondering what her prize was, it was a puppy.
1: What a prize.
0: I know. And if what you're kind of puppy? um I don't know and if you're curious <laughs> about the big moment that beat her out it was a little boy who had tried to let his dad's car roll down the driveway so he could make room for his friends to play ball and he rolled it into the house and it knocked a big hole in the side of the house and um he said that was a big moment and then when his daddy had seen what he did that was another big moment so he had two big moments that day and oh. he won a bike.
1: Nice. Like, uh, yeah, that, that was deserved.
0: <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> I just found that a little bit interesting what the prizes were back then. <laughs> back a bike the or a puppy, day. which is better. I mean, I personally think puppy, but I just thought it was interesting that they would give away a puppy. With a newspaper contest, but Yeah. Yeah. So
1: when I need them to not.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't think that's something they would do now, but you know, back then times were different. I say it all the time. Yeah. So at age nineteen, Betty was a sophomore at Transylvania University in Lexington, Kentucky. And she wrote an essay. This She wrote a lot of essays, but um, this essay in particular was about her stance on the death penalty, and she wrote that, quote, when a man commits a crime, he no longer has the right to liberty, but his right of life should never be taken away, end quote. She went on to say that even murderers should be given compassion. Those words would turn out to be hauntingly ironic. A few short months later, in the early hours of October 27th, 1961, Betty Gale was found murdered. Betty was at university on an academic scholarship. Did you have something to say?
1: Sorry, I was responding, but I forgot I was muted. Um, Uh, For the baby's sake. (laughs) So so just let's move on. Because I was like, what? And that was pretty much it. Sorry uh, about that.
0: Okay. Betty was at university on an academic scholarship. She was on honor roll and she intended to stay that way. She had a biology test coming up. So she made plans to join a study group on campus. They met at Ferrier Hall on the campus, and when the group was over at about midnight, the members walked out together, and they were chaperoned by the house mother. They witnessed Betty walk, across, walk to and enter her blue Simica. It's like a French car. I had never heard of it. And yeah, I've never um, heard of it either. Yeah, it's a French car, and um, I put pictures in the show notes if you want to put them up, because some of the descriptions they give of what was going on in the car, I was like, how is that? But it made sense when I saw how small the car was. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so around that same time, another student, Charles Fryston, was also in front of Ferrier Hall. He was dropping off a date. He was parked about 30 foot behind Betty's car, and when he went to leave, he stopped next to her. They took a dance class together earlier, and she didn't seem to be feeling well, so he thought he should check on her. So they briefly chatted, and then he said they both rolled up their windows and he pulled out first and she pulled out right behind him and he saw her lights in the rear view so he knew she was following he said she followed him until he turned into the parking lot of his dorm and then he saw her continue down the road this was about 1205 Just so you know, he volunteered this information to the police in hopes it would help. So he came to them, they did not go to him, just for what it's worth. Here is where the whole story falls apart a little bit. A waitress at a nearby drive-thru came forward to say that she had served Betty and another woman at about a little after midnight. She was able to identify Betty's clothes, and um, she later actually attended Betty's funeral with undercover cops in hopes of identifying the other woman, but she did not see her at the funeral. When Betty wasn't home shortly before 1 AM, her mother called the dorm where she had her study hall, And she found out that the study group had ended on time, And that Betty had gotten the car and and drove away. They witnessed that. So, Betty's mom gets in her car. And she drives the route that she knows Betty would have taken from the college home. And she didn't find her. So, she drove back to the house, hoping that she just missed her the first time. She did not find her, so she drove back again. And this time, she checked parking lots any parking lot that Betty would have used on campus, um, just anywhere she thought Betty would be. She started checking. She almost turned into the parking lot of Old Morris Hall about 115 to 120. But then she told herself, Betty never uses this parking lot, so there's no reason to do that. She didn't have any classes. She didn't have any reason to be in that parking lot. So she chose not to turn in there, and that decision would haunt her for the rest of her life. Oh, no. At 2 a.m., when they still had not heard from their daughter, Betty's father called the police, who immediately started looking for her. About 3 a.m., an officer came upon the French sports car in the parking lot at Old Morris Hall. On his approach, he realized that Betty was dead and he immediately secured the scene and called for backup. He did not allow anyone to touch the car until detectives arrived. So he handled his business the way he was trained to. Shortly after the detectives arrived, word started spreading all over campus. Betty's mother was still out searching, and when she spotted the house mother from Ferrier Hall, the woman's demeanor told her that something was wrong. But when she questioned the woman, the, the house mother just led her to an officer, and his face told her what, what she feared the most. He said, "Miss Brown, we found your daughter. She said, is she dead? Upon hearing, yes, ma'am. She said, don't tell me anymore. Let's go home. And she had him drive her home because she didn't want to hear anymore until she was with her husband so they could be told together. Ah, oh, so tragic. Betty was found in the driver's seat of her car. Sorry, I guess we're having some kind of technical difficulties. Check, check,
1: check, 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 check. Can I cannot hear,
0: hear Matlin at all. Are you still muted? No. I don't know I guess if you hear me then I'll just keep going I guess I don't know I don't know what to do all right if Maddie doesn't have any conversation on the rest of this it's because something went on and now we can't hear her or maybe she just ditched us I don't know Who
1: but knows, my audio because we can't levels her.
0: show that I'm here anyway, so we'll see <laughs> back to the story Betty was found in the driver's seat of her car. The doors were locked except for the front passenger side. That lock had been malfunctioning, and um, her car showed signs of a struggle. There was blood on the dash and on the driver's side window. Her keys were in the back floorboard, and she had a laceration on her scalp, a small cut and a bruise above her left eye. A bruise on the left side of her neck. Her blouse was unbuttoned, but it was still tucked in, and her bra was off of her body. It was torn, and the straps were twisted, and it was left wrapped around her throat. Um, it had been used to strangle her. She was still wearing her car coat, And um, I had never heard that phrase, so I looked it up. A car coat was a short coat invented to keep occupants of a car toasty back in the days when heaters weren't a thing or weren't that great of a thing. Toasty. Her school books were stacked up in the seat next to her, and her hubcap, which had fallen off earlier, was on the front floorboard robbery was quickly dismissed as a motive because her purse jewelry and other valuables were still in the car her watch however was thrown out of the car but it was just right next to the car on the ground so they didn't steal it and i don't know how it would have gotten out of the car Rape looked like it was going to be a a motive given that her bra was removed, but the autopsy found that she was not raped. And the time of her death was 1.30 a.m., just 10 to 15 minutes from when her mother almost turned into that parking lot.
1: Oh, my God, that's tragic.
0: Police went through and they um, found anybody that was loitering nearby, and they just placed them under arrest for minor charges. This allowed them to question the people. So, like, if you were standing around, you know, they charged you with loitering or, you know, littering or whatever, and then they could take you back to the station and ask you questions. <laughs> so, um, probably most of them, they could have just asked questions and they would have answered. But this is how the police chose to do it. They also canvassed the area collecting witness statements and, These statements let the police know that they were looking for a man. This man was going to be a tall, short, slim, little fat man. So, basically, their descriptions (laughs) were not helpful at all. Not at all. Police started working 24-7 on the case. They began handing out lie detector tests like they were candy. (laughs) Betty's mom and dad were given lie detector tests, which they willingly took and because they wanted to eliminate themselves as suspects so the case could move along and um, not even go that direction. A Transylvania student was given four polygraphs. He failed two, but then he was given two more under hypnotism, and he passed those two. And the cops said that's good enough for them, and they cleared him. What The cops also set out to interview and fingerprint every single male at the university, a test that they figured would take five or six days. They, of course, could not force anyone to comply, but if you didn't, you were certainly looked at with suspicion. Most students did comply willingly. Betty was well liked and she was popular, so people just wanted to help. It was actually the staff of the university that pushed back on that. At first, I was like, "Mm, that's a little shady, but at further digging, it turns out that the cops were questioning people day and night they were pulling people out of class they were pulling them out of the library the cafeteria they were going to practices and pulling them out any extracurriculars anywhere they saw somebody they had no regard for anything else that was going on they were just like hey let me talk to you so the staff found it pretty disruptive and and I can understand that it would be different if you were like making appointments or whatever But just to come up in the class and pull people out, I can see where they would find that disruptive and why they were like, you know, y'all need to figure a different way. The police surmised that someone could have been hiding in the back seat or could have jumped in the car when it stopped at the light due to the faulty lock on the passenger door. Um, They'd had a light. I don't know how... They would have known the law. I mean, I guess they could have got lucky and just tried it. But I hate that um, you can't hear me because I just said that. (laughs) They did arrest a man on an accusation that was made by his wife that he had come home late the night of the murder. He had burned some bloody clothing and gone to bed. He was later cleared of the charges of Betty's murder but he was arrested on child neglect charges. It did not give any details on what those charges were. A 27 year old former Transylvania student was arrested in New York. He was dressed as a woman, drunk, sitting on a bench on the road island, um, like the median in the road. But I think it's like um, in some downtown areas where they have like trees and benches in those in between the lanes. So, yeah, I don't know. I assume that that's what it was because there was a bench on it and that's where he was sitting in his possession. He had a newspaper clipping of Betty's case and a loaded revolver. Let me add here that nearly every detail of this case was widely published in the newspapers. At one point, they had even published a very graphic picture of Betty's body still behind the wheel of her car. Are you kidding? And they put it in the newspaper. Are you kidding me? also repeatedly said that she was an attractive blonde or a petite blonde in every newspaper article. It just seems skinny to me, creepy. it doesn't matter, but it's, it's almost like if she was ugly or fat or not blonde, she, it would be like less of a tragedy, and that may just be me, the way I'm talking about it, because, you know, I'm not blonde and I'm not skinny, but, um, <laughs> I just didn't see why that that detail needed to be put in there in every article. It just was gross. Back to New York, the man tried to pull the gun when the cops approached him, and he was asked about the newspaper clippings. He said that a friend of his, a current student, had sent him the clippings, believing that he would be interested because he was a former student. On the surface, I can see where the clippings kind of seem suspect, but hear me out. There was no text message, there was no email, there was no internet where you could have typed it in and found out the information that was going on at your old college. There was none of that. So if you thought somebody would, would be interested in something, that's the way yeah, you would do it. You would clip out a, print it out a,
1: and send clip it out them. the
0: newspaper, and you would mail it to them. I remember my grandmother doing that with her family with recipes and stuff. They would put in the paper. Yeah. So now, why he was carrying them around, I don't know that, but it is possible. Maybe he had just checked his mail. Maybe he was like, "Hey, let me stick these in my pocket and read them if I got some downtime." I don't know. I mean, I don't know why he was drunk, sitting on the bench with a gun. I don't know, but just in it's themselves, the newspaper clippings may seem suspect, but I don't know if they really were. And also, my other curiosity was, why did they approach him originally, other than the fact that he was sitting on this traffic bent on this bench on the traffic island? Was that against the law? Because if it was, why was the bench there? Was it because he was dressed as a woman? Was he causing some kind of ruckus or something? There was no information that made, that told us why they even approached this man to search. Yeah, I found it real weird. Yeah, it is really weird. In any case, he was arrested and he was charged of possession with a weapon. An illegal weapon. And he was charged with, quote, masquerading as a woman. Oh, that's illegal? Like it or not, the 60s was a very different time. So, I guess if that was a law back then, maybe I answered my own question about why they approached him. It doesn't seem like... I don't know. I don't understand that. But in any case, yeah, that's that's neither here nor there, I guess. He and the friend that sent him the clippings were investigated and they were, he was the main suspect for a while, but it didn't go anywhere. They never found any evidence or anything more than the clippings and the fact that he was, um, drunk on this bench, I guess. The case stalled after a few months, but then, um... They didn't close it. It just stalled out. They didn't have any new information. They had questioned so many people, and there was just nothing new. But about four years later, there was a possible break in the case. Police arrested a drifter, Alex Arnold, on a public drunkenness charge. When they got him to the station, he started telling them that he was involved in Betty's murder. Now, in those days, confessions and interrogations were not normally recorded. They had to be handwritten. And the police just let him talk. They didn't question him. They just let him talk, let him say what he had to say. They never asked him any questions. They just figured he would sleep it off. The next day, they did ask him about it. And they said, you know, you know, you confessed. And he told them that he felt like 500 pounds had been lifted off of his shoulders. So he wasn't taking it back. And they began to question him about the murder. And they got him to write his confession down. Then they arrested him for the murder. He went to trial in 1965. But by then, he was rethinking his confession. More accurately, he wavered between he did it and he didn't remember doing it. But he felt like he must have done it. But also, he definitely didn't do it. And maybe he could have done it. But probably he dreamed he did it. So... What? By that Doesn't point, like he was pretty muddled and it wasn't really clear what was going on in his mind. Let's just uh, say it Not like at that. all. No. His story was that he was drunk and he was looking for a place to sleep. And he did have major problems with alcohol. So that first part was probably true. He had tried a local park, but there were too many people there. And so he wandered onto the campus of Transylvania College or university. Sorry. He then fell asleep in some bushes, but he got cold. So he woke up and he was looking for a warmer spot and came across Betty's car. He saw her in the car with another woman. According to him, they were heavily making out. He wanted a cigarette, so he approached the car and asked them for a match. He said that the girls started cussing at him, and he repeated that he just needed a match. But then he turned, and he was walking away, and he said that the girls continued to yell and cuss at him. So he came back to the car. He grabbed Betty and smashed her head onto the dash. Then the other girl jumped out of the car and ran. He got into the back seat and he pulled her hair to get her head back up. And he got scared, so he grabbed her bra from the seat beside her and strangled her with it. And then he just threw it back on the seat next to her. He buttoned up her blouse because he didn't want anybody to see it open and think that he had raped her. Then he wiped his prints off the car and he ran to a friend's apartment nearby where he continued to drink for the rest of the night.
1: How would you so not know you did this if you did this or not? let's go over his
0: confession. He said that it was cold and that woke him up and the police counted this as a match to the crime scene because it was cold that night. And Betty's car had been covered in frost he saw Betty making out with another girl. The waitress had also told the police that she had seen Betty with another woman earlier. Betty's diary and journals had been checked and there was um, information about a bunch of different guys that she was talking to or dating, but no mention of any females. In my opinion, that doesn't mean she wasn't dating a woman also. She was very active in the church, and was even a Sunday school teacher. So it's possible she either couldn't bring herself to write it down, or she was concerned that it might be discovered and blow her cover. Or she was talking. To Betty's code in parents her diary. actually testified in court on behalf of Arnold. I'm gonna hold my opinion on that. Okay. I'm gonna try to hold my opinion on that. I'm not sure if I'll succeed. (laughs) They said that they believed the waitress was mistaken about the day she saw Betty with the other woman. And that the other girl was actually one of Betty's sorority sisters. They said their daughter was not a lesbian and showed no tendencies of attraction towards females. They testified that they believed he had dreamed that he had killed their daughter but he actually did not
1: But the crime scene was like the same as his dream. I don't know if yeah, I can hold right. my opinion.
0: I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, it a little bit bothers me that, that her parents were so adamant that she just absolutely could not have been making out with a woman. That even though this guy confessed, and I mean, you believe him or not... If you didn't believe him, that's one thing. But if just, well, my daughter wasn't a lesbian, so he has to be lying, that's another story, if you know what I mean. In any case, he said that her bra was off because she was making out with the new girlfriend. I mean, with the girlfriend. Sorry, I don't know if she was new or old or even existed. A friend of Betty's had testified, though, that she was known to remove her bra as soon as she got in the car, just for comfort. And I mean, yeah, me too, that's not that, I don't think that's that out of the ordinary. If you were gonna be on your way home, you're just going straight home, and you get in the car and remove your bra. I I don't think that that's out of the question and it would make sense as to why that would be next to her on the seat. He said that he had slammed Betty's head on the dash and pulled her hair. There was evidence in the car that supported this version of events. Her blood was on the dash and her hair scalp had been loosened um, by somebody forcefully pulling her head back by the hair he had testified however that he laid the bra back on the seat next to her but when she was found if you remember it was left twisted around her neck he also said that he had rebuttoned her shirt but when the police found her her shirt was buttoned but it was still tucked in so none of that matched. He said that he went to his friend's apartment, but his friend testified that he was not there. His aunt also testified that he was actually at her house in the days before, during and after the murder. Um she remembered because they had a family birthday and she said that he helped to set up the birthday and attended and then helped clean up and such so that's why it stuck out in her head that he definitely was at her house when this happened my question was if he had a friend who had an apartment nearby why not go there to sleep but i mean i don't know I yeah, didn't know the a lot pinch. of details, but as we discussed earlier, almost every single detail was released by the papers, and they even had pictures of the crime scene. So, knowing the details, I don't know that that was, you know, necessarily any proof either. I saw it said a few times that Alex Arnold was acquitted, but he actually wasn't. There was a mistrial, and the D.A. chose not to bring him back to trial after it was delayed several times, and Arnold wound up dying at age 49 in 1980. A lot of the research I found only talked about Arnold, but there actually were at least Two other viable suspects, as far as I could find. There were um, a group of murders, and they were actually known as the Brazier killings or the Bra murders. Those took place between 1967 and 1971. All right, I lied. I don't think that this one was connected at all. These murders were all in Stamford, Connecticut, and the victims were all either African-American or drug addicts or prostitutes. So n- the victim profile just doesn't fit. And I know I've said before, you know, a murderer it doesn't could match. go off yeah. a profile if the opportunity struck, and that's true. But I just don't really feel yeah. like these were commit these were connected to her. Connected. Yeah. This Neither one, though, I. is my top suspect. Yep. He is a killer named Nolan Ray George i not sure that he got the attention he deserved as far as a possible connection to Betty's case. I mean, he was mentioned, but he wasn't charged. And he, as far as I could tell, he really wasn't investigated that hard other than by, like, one detective. Here's what you need to know as far as his viability as a suspect in her case. He was from Kentucky london kentucky to be exact which is about an hour away from transylvania university he would have been 18 at the time of the murders so he would have been in the right age frame he was a dangerous man because he was very charming and very likable I wanted to say he had the charm of Bundy before Bundy had the charm of Bundy, but Bundy was um, only about three years younger than Nolan, so I'm not even sure that's true. But Nolan, he didn't look creepy. He didn't give off bad vibes. People genuinely liked him. He was deceiving. He also was apparently very good with the ladies. For some reason, women were very attracted to him, and he had no problems getting women's attention. He got his jollies off, however, by raping and strangling women, usually with their own undergarments, stockings, underwear, and even bras. So this was his kink. Just saying. His hunting grounds were mostly Kentucky and neighboring Ohio and Michigan, which if you're bad at geography, they all border. You know I'm bad at geography. And then I heard Maddie but I didn't. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Give you me your minute So anyway, so You know, they're all very close in proximity. So, his hunting grounds in Kentucky was where he hunted most. Let's talk a little bit about his crimes. In 1982, he went on trial for and was convicted of killing 36-year-old Gwendolyn Perry. He had strangled her with her own stockings and dumped her in a field back in 1968. He had already been convicted in the 70s and was imprisoned for strangling two other women. In fact, he had just recently been released from a 12-year sentence regarding one or both of those crimes. I'm not going to lie, the info on those crimes got a little muddled, so it was a little bit hard to follow on whether it was a conviction on both of those or just one of those, but he was suspected in the other. Also, I didn't want to interrupt myself, but my stomach was growling so hard, and I don't know if the microphone picked it up, but if so, that's what that was. I'm not not being attacked by a werewolf.
1: (laughs) I did not hear it, but that's hilarious.
0: Those deaths that he had gotten released on... After 12 years, those were manslaughter deaths, and I said manslaughter, but um, I mean, well, you be the judge. 22 year old Frances Brown was found in her car strangled with her own underwear, as well as Cindy Rose, who was suffocated with her stockings and then dumped in a field where she died of exposure. So, I guess because he didn't murder Cindy Rose, she died of exposure. They counted it as manslaughter. I mean, I don't know. Different times we've discussed before. The laws were not favorable to women back in those days. So, anyway, he was also believed to have killed... um, Well, obviously Betty. Then 26-year-old Tammy King in 1982 after he got out of prison. And then there was an unidentified woman in Ohio that they suspected him of killing. And then Della Mae Miller, 24, she was from Ohio. That was in 1967. They, They thought he was a strong suspect in that case. The detective that did spend years investigating him actually believed he was responsible for at least seven other deaths. So, here's the thing. A little fun fact for y'all. Just kidding. It's not fun at all. Here we go. He actually was released from prison in June of 2022. He has no supervisional conditions on his release. So, he is just out in the world Doing what? whatever. So we're going to post a picture so you can look out for him. He is going to be roughly 80 years old, but I personally still would not trust him. Um, to me, in his most current mugshot, he looks like the guy that played Cassius Pride in NCIS New Orleans, Stacey Keach. I don't know if y'all are familiar. Um, that's kind of who he favored to me in his latest mugshot. Like, he looks like a nice guy. He, he doesn't look like a psychopath, but he definitely is. So, I looked all over, and I could not find a picture of Alex Arnold, which I thought was weird, but, I mean, whatever. We also have some pictures of Betty, though, that she can put up. That's where it stands. He was never charged with Betty's murder, although he was a strong suspect by that detective. And, um... He's out of prison, just roaming free, doing God knows what. I guess they think he's in his 80s, so, you know, what can he do? But he looked to me like he was in decent shape, so I, I'm so bothered by this. I don't even know what to say.
1: Yeah, that's ridiculous.
0: Moving on, if you have any information on Betty's case, you can contact Louisville's Cold Case Squad at phone number 502-502. 5747055 Um just another quick weird little coincidence while I was searching for info on the the different murders he was suspected of um I found the murder of Della Mae Miller I ran across a I thought I had this one but she was killed in a murder suicide and I was like That doesn't make sense. But when I looked it up, it was a completely different woman with the same exact name, Della Mae Miller, which seems like such a wild name. Like, um, I don't know anybody named Della Mae, but um, it was a woman with the exact same name. She's at a bar. She's dancing. She's having a good time with her friends. This guy comes over and hits on her and she's like, you know, no, I'm not feeling you just here to have fun with my friends so he gets mad he goes out to his truck or car or whatever he gets a gun he walks back into the club he shoots her and then he runs from the scene where he winds up shooting himself this happened in missouri in 1956 so i mean wasn't that long before <sighs> I know, it annoys me. Like, imagine being so weak that you need to shoot a woman because she is not interested in you. I mean, because she turns you down. She's like, yeah, I'm not feeling it. So you're like, oh, I can't handle that. <laughs> Let me go get it going. I mean, that's so gross. My big anyway, feeling. It got me thinking because you remember when we did the Terry Sullivan case and then all those Terry Sullivans had been murdered. And so I got yeah. to thinking that I wonder how many murder, vi- murder victims there are that have the same name. You know, if it's like a common name, that's like, I mean, I don't know. Suddenly I can't think of a common name <laughs> If it's Mike Jones, I mean, that's a pretty common name, I would imagine. So if there's like a bunch of them, that's one thing. But Terry Sullivan didn't seem like a common name to me. And Della Mae Miller definitely did not seem like a common name. So it got me wondering if um, you have certain names, are you more likely to get murdered? I don't know. You know, my mind works crazy. So that's where I am with that. Um I wanted to search my own name because I've got an uncommon name because, you know, Gowen is not that common. I kind of wanted to search it, but I would get so paranoid if I found, like, five murdered Michelle Gowans, I would be like, I could never leave my house again. <laughs> I would be so paranoid. So. Right. Well, that's all I've got, and I'm gonna ask Matlin. Does she have anything to add? Even though I don't know if I can hear her.
1: No. Can you hear me? You still can't hear me. I've got a
0: story, um, <laughs> about something that happened a little while back that I'm gonna tell y'all. Um, this ain't got nothing to do with nothing. It's just one of my little stories that shows you how weird I am. Um. Y'all know we've talked about my social anxiety before and how I get panicked if somebody speaks to me and I don't know how to handle it. So I'm just, like, super weird. So um, uh, just, like, a couple months back, me and Billy were out running errands or whatever, and we went to eat at a Chinese buffet. And so I'm up there, and I'm getting my food, and these two women walk up, and they're getting their food, and they're beside me, and then one looks over, and she's like, oh, I like your shirt. And I'm like, thank you. And so I look, because, you know, somebody says something about your shirt, you automatically glance at theirs, or maybe that's just me. So, um, one of them is wearing a Jaws shirt, I look at my and own the shirt other one's wearing, wearing like some other horror themed shirt, but I like, right offhand I can't remember what it was. So, um, the other lady goes, Are you going to see it? And so I'm like, What does she mean? And, she, and so she's like, Well, that's where we're on the way to. We're going to watch it right after we get done here. And I'm like, "What? what is she talking about? So I have no idea what shirt I'm wearing. And I don't want to look down because I don't want to look stupid. And so um, I'm like racking my brain trying to figure out what, what they could be going to see. And the only thing I can come up with is the um, Halloween movie that was coming out at the time. I was like, I don't think that's it because I don't think it's come out yet but i knew it was coming but i I was like i don't think it's come out yet i think they're waiting until october to release it and i'm standing there like stunned i'm not saying anything i'm like wrecking my brain i probably look like an idiot and um you should have just
1: looked at your shirt so
0: i glance down no the woman goes um did you know it was playing at imax and so I'm like, I look at her because I'm like, I don't know anything. And so I glanced down at my shirt and it's the shirt with the Jaws reference with the real vague Jaws reference. And um, I realized she's wearing a Jaws shirt. So they must be talking like they're having a screen in a Jaws, which I didn't know anything about. And I really wished I had because I would have loved to go on and seen it in IMAX. I love that movie. So... Anyway, I realize it stalls, and I look at her, and in her face, I ass say, I hope it's good, and I walk away, and then I'm like what an idiot i sit at my table i'm running it through my mind i'm like that is the stupidest (laughs) thing i could have said like i could not have come up with something dumber i mean it's jaws yeah it's gonna be good i mean it's not gonna change the movie's been out since 1975 they're not changing it (laughs) of course it's gonna be good what does that mean i hope it's good (laughs) <laughs> I felt so stupid. So, then I saw him. Did you get a you know, second that plate? Bothers you. So, I saw him walking back up to get another plate, and I wanted to run up there and try again. But then I was like, what am I going to say? Uh, sorry I was so weird back then. I mean, <laughs> then I look even more weird. I'm like, uh, I'm just kind of awkward there. <laughs> so... I'm just I decided awkward, not bud. to go up there and harass them at the buffet again. I felt really stupid. But then I was like, dang, I could have had a friend. Because me and they they both like Jaws. And I like Jaws. And then the other one had a horror shirt. So they probably liked horror in general. And I could have made a new friend. Yeah. So I guess if the off chance that you do hear this and you're like, hey, wait. I spoke to a really weird Stop. woman at the Chinese buffet while I was on the way to, talk to see Jaws. Right. So, if that pops into your head because you heard this, you can go um, message me so we can be friends because I do need friends. And I uh, <laughs> just want to say sorry about all that awkwardness there.
1: Sorry, I'm, I'm so awkward, so bud.
0: I have not stopped thinking about it. Like it'll just pop into my head at night when I'm trying to sleep. How stupid I was at the Chinese restaurant. Are those people telling a story about me? Like the weirdest woman was at the Chinese restaurant. Oh, anyway, sorry about that, friend. This was a long show, so um I guess we'll let y'all go and I don't know if I still can't hear Madeline, so I don't know if she's gonna do her part or not. But then I'll just bust us out and go, um, thanks for listening. And if y'all like us, rate, review, and share us. Share us with somebody at the Chinese restaurant. <laughs> and um uh, Follow us on social media, and I'm going to leave a sec for Matlin to say whatever social media we have. Sorry you handles can't hear me. That.
1: I've literally been talking this whole time, so.
0: And y'all know. have a good week. We will tell you another story next Thursday. Bye. Bye.